All right, well, this morning has been a full morning already, and I feel like we have kind of pulled you around a little bit, but uh, I trust that you are fully engaged still and uh, wide awake and ready to hear um, as we continue in our series. And we started this series last week on the Holy Spirit. I'm obviously aware of the fact that this Sunday is uh, Pentecost Sunday, and, and we started this series last week looking at uh, the great, um, commi- uh, great companion that we have. We know that um, Jesus promises, and some translations use uh, the comforter, the helper, the advocate, uh, and some also use the word companion. So the challenge last week was for you to recognize that you are never alone. And when you've given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, and I trust that you've made the effort. We said last week that you, you're going to need to make an effort to remind yourself and to be aware that the Holy Spirit is present with you. And uh, I had somebody email me um, and say that, wow, they, um, their drives to work suddenly had very different meaning because um, I think they had changed some of the music they listened to, <laughs> um, some of the things that they maybe said to other drivers. I'm not sure. They never clarified that. But now suddenly just being aware of the fact that the Holy Spirit is sitting next to them in the passenger seat uh, seemed to have changed their driving habits by the sounds of things. But uh, thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, Today I want to look at what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I think it's very important for us to understand the difference between the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So last week we said that when you give your life to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit you receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is, is part of the Trinity, um, so God dwells in you. Uh, whatever Scripture says about, whenever um, you know, Scripture says about Holy Spirit, uh, we need to recognize that this is something that is said multiple times in Scripture, that we are filled. And so what does Scripture say about this being filled with the Holy Spirit? You may be surprised And that this isn't just a a Pentecostal thing or a charismatic thing. That this filling of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. So please don't immediately think that, well, you know, this must be for some denominations and and not for ours. And we're Anabaptists and so therefore, you know, we're not quite as into... No, we have been commanded actually in Scripture, and we're going to look at this, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so again, there's going to be this little bit of tension for us to understand So the Holy Spirit dwells in us when we give our lives to Jesus, but then we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand what those mean and why it is so important that we um, are are filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the best-known passages when it comes to this topic of being filled with the Holy Spirit comes from the Apostle Paul to his letter in the churches in Asia Minor. Here Paul addresses how Christians are to live. And so let me read this to you. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5. And if you have our church app, you can go to today's sermon. And if you look down, you'll see there's a little thing called notes. And all the notes are in there for you. Or if you want to follow along on the screen, that's fine as well. But I would love for you to have your Bible open and follow along in your Bibles with me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 20. Paul says this to the church and to us. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here you see again, and we've talked about this quite a bit in this series already, these contrasts. You see the contrast between being drunk on wine and being filled or drunk in the Holy Spirit. He commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to live a life that is full of the Spirit. There are many other passages in Scripture, but I think this is one of those that are very important for us to recognize. This is what drunk on wine will produce, and this is what drunk on the Spirit, if you want to use that term, filled with the Spirit, will produce. But like I said, there are many other passages. We aren't going to take time to read them all, but just follow along with me as I mention some. In Luke chapter 1, verse 15, Zacharias is told that John the Baptist will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he is even born. Luke chapter 1, verse 47, when Mary greeted Elizabeth, um, the baby leaped in her, and it says Elizabeth was filled with the, the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 1, verse 67, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, and it being Pentecost Sunday today, let me take time to read these verses to us. It says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You've heard this passage likely many, many times. Then you have Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Peter, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit, addresses the rulers and the elders of the people. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Acts chapter 7 verse 55, Peter, uh, Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. These are just a few verses that we can look at today that we can see that this filling of the Holy Spirit is mentioned repeatedly in Scripture. Paul commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit rather than to be drunk on wine. Each time in the Scriptures where we see the phrase filled with the, whole, with the Spirit, it is always associated with God's power. It is always associated with boldness of faith. We see times where people are empowered by, to live a life of faith. We see times where people um, are doing things and able to um, fulfill things or say things or, or whatever it might be that can only be done through the filling and through the power of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit always results in power of God being on display. We also see in Scripture that people are able to speak words of faith. 
In times when they did not know what to say, suddenly, as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God gave them words to profess their faith in Jesus. And this lines up with what we were talking about last week, that we are not alone. So not only are we not alone, not only do we have a companion who goes with us, this companion allows us to do and empowers us to do things that we are not capable of doing on our own. The Dictionary of Bible Themes describes it like this. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be energized and controlled by the third person of the Godhead in such a way that under the acknowledged leadership of Jesus Christ, the full presence and power of God are experienced. Spirit filling leads to renewal, obedience, boldness in testimony and arresting qualities in believers' lives. All through the book of Acts, we see believers experiencing God's power as they are filled with the Holy Spirit. We see a consistent quality of character, a fruit in the person as they are being filled and as they are living their lives out. We also see that they are bold not because um, of their own ability to speak, but they are bold because of the ability to speak words as a witness for Christ because of the filling of the Holy Spirit. They are able to give answers to in difficult situations only because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We see Peter after uh, Pentecost. He stands up and he gives this long sermon. And I've been a pastor for almost 25 years, and I promise you a sermon like that does not just come off of the top of someone's head. I believe very much that that is because of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Peter suddenly had words to speak that he had not prepared for. And so this is what it means, and this is part of what we see in Scripture of the filling of the Holy Spirit and what that means and what that does in each one of our lives. I want you to notice that being filled leads to a quality of character, the ability to share Christ with others. It never leads to empowering someone to become important or special in their own eyes. It is not about being filled. It is not about us making a name for ourselves. It is always so that we can fulfill the message and the gospel and the calling of God in our lives. It is always about leading people to Jesus and bringing people into a place where they are changed and transformed with Christ. So let's try then to answer this question. What is the filling of the Holy Spirit? When we talk about this, what, what are we referring to? What are we talking about? According to Millard Erickson in his book, Introducing Christian, um, Christian Doctrine, he says it like this. This is not so much a matter of our getting more of the Holy Spirit, rather a matter of his possessing more of our lives. Let me read that again. This is not so much a matter of our getting more of the Holy Spirit, rather a matter of His possessing more of our lives. I want us to be careful that we don't picture being filled with the Holy Spirit like if we would take a vase and pour water into it until it pours over. Because if we have that sort of image of being filled with the Holy Spirit, then it would imply that there are times where we have almost none of the Holy Spirit or we can be completely empty of the Holy Spirit. And this is, again, the tension of what we're speaking about. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. So it's not so much about having more, but about us giving possession of our lives to a greater degree to the Holy Spirit. So this image of water being filled in implies that we 
can go through our lives not having the Holy Spirit or not having much of the Holy Spirit, and that is not the image that we should have. When you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Therefore, being filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. It is living for God rather than for ourselves. And this is why Paul insists of us you know, not letting wine control us, not being drunk on alcohol, but rather that we would be controlled or that we would be um, filled with the Holy Spirit. Because each one of those, as you can see, alcohol, wine, Holy Spirit, each of them will produce a certain kind of work. So which one are we controlled by? Therefore, being filled with the Holy Spirit really is about us surrendering control to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us upon salvation, but many people are not controlled by the Spirit. Many people continue to live for themselves. Every believer should seek to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Now, often people looked, you know, maybe to spiritual gifts as the indicator. Well, if I have spiritual gifts, then this must be a sign that I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to suggest to us today that a better way to understand and a better way for us to see for ourselves whether we are truly filled with the Holy Spirit is not spiritual gifts as much as it is seeing the evident of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Erickson puts it this way, speaking of the fruits of the Spirit. These virtues are, in Paul's estimation, the real evidence of the Spirit at work in Christians. Love, joy, peace in an individual's life are the surest sign of a vital experience with the Spirit. Now you may know them and you may not. So let me read them to you. What are the fruits of the Spirit? And you can listen to these, you know, this, these verses and you can ask yourself, are these evident in my life? Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are evident in my character when the Spirit is controlling me or when I am filled with the Holy Spirit. In verses prior to this, Paul outlines that what it looks like when a person lives for themselves. They are controlled by the desires of the flesh rather than the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the flesh will produce the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit. The desires of the flesh will produce its own fruit. So when we are filled and when we are controlled by the Holy Spirit, these fruits will be produced in us. And as we're going through this series, we do not want this to only be you know, something that we know about. We don't want this to just to be you know, sermons that, that trigger our minds and, and cause us you know, cognitively to be like, oh, I hadn't thought about it like that before. We truly want to live this out. So I want to give us some time today to think about, like, so then how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? How, do we, how are we filled? We know it happens. We know that when we invite Jesus into our lives that the Holy Spirit fills us or that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. So then how do we, how do we then live in such a way that we are filled with the Holy Spirit? How do we give the Holy Spirit control of our lives? The scripture actually warns us about two things that will keep that from happening. 
So I, I think we need to take a moment and recognize if we are doing these two things that could keep the Holy Spirit from, from filling us, then we need to change how we live so that the Holy Spirit can fill us. The first one is this. We are told that we as Christians, we as people, have the power to grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. There are many, many things in our lives that can deeply grieve the heart of God, that can deeply grieve God. Paul gives an example in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. He says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So just to be very direct here, we need to understand that to be filled, if we are filled with bitterness, we cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. Meaning this, if I am controlled by bitterness, I'm not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. You cannot be consumed or, or filled with rage and anger and then be filled with the Holy Spirit because rage and anger consume you and they control you. And if you're controlled by these, then you are not able to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so forth. And if we can go through all of these that Paul lists here, when we are controlled by these, we are not controlled by the Holy Spirit, meaning that we grieve God. We grieve the Holy Spirit. We allow or we do not allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in our lives that that um, we should allow him to do, and we are not controlled by, by the Holy Spirit. The second one, and much more could be said on that, but the second one is to quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 tells us, do not quench the Spirit. To quench the Spirit is to stifle or to suppress his work in, in us. To resist the change that the Spirit is calling us to because it might disrupt us or it might make us uncomfortable and it might bring us out of the comfort that we are used to. Essential to quenching the Spirit means that you resist the Spirit's work in your life. You choose to be in control rather than giving God control. And this I think all of us as believers have had moments in our lives where we felt a very strong urge, go speak to someone, go do something, and then we don't. No, nope, that would be too uncomfortable, that would be awkward, that would be, what would they think? And then later on, we maybe hear years later, that person was really going through something, and if I had only gone, and it was the Spirit of God prompting us, but instead of being controlled by the Spirit and stepping out in boldness, we decided to remain comfortable. See, the scary part about grieving the Spirit and the scary part about quenching the Spirit is we often don't even notice when we've done it. This is especially scary because many of the people who quench and who grieve the Spirit of God are like you and I sitting in church today. We come to God and we, we want to follow Jesus, but on our own terms. And this is something, again, I'm talking to us about being intentional. You know, God knows, and no one else knows, where your heart is really committed, what your heart is truly committed to, or who really has authority in your life. And so we want to truly be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to do an evaluation of ourselves and saying, have I truly submitted authority to the Holy Spirit in our lives? And this is why it's so important for us, again, to consider the fruit of the Spirit. 
Do we see this fruit? Do we see this work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? And if you're, if you're at all curious about whether or not this fruit is there, just ask the people closest to you. They will tell you. And so now we've looked at the things that Scripture tells us not to do. Let's look really quickly at what we are called to do. We are called to walk in the Spirit or to walk by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I want to clarify this really quickly because I see this so many times. People spend so much time trying to avoid sin. And you've heard me say this. When you are looking back, trying to avoid sin, it interferes with your running. And you're, you're trying to get away from sin, but I was a runner for years. And when the coach, they always tell you, don't look back because you cannot run as well. Look instead ahead. And so this is the same thing here. So many of us spend so much energy trying to avoid sin in our lives, trying to, to, you know, to stay away from sin and to, to all that. Well, this is basically telling us that if you walk in the Spirit and if you are filled with the Spirit of God, sin is already going to be removed from you because you are walking in obedience to the Spirit, not to the flesh. That's what Paul, that's what Paul is saying here in Galatians. So we are to walk in the Spirit. Romans 8, the end of verse 3 and 4, says it similarly. He says, So he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit is not another form of legalism, where we are only trying to avoid sin. Rather, you open yourself to experience what God has in store for you. To be led by God. To be led by the Spirit. To offer yourself completely. To be filled by the Spirit means that you will live beyond what you feel you are capable of doing. You will live in a place where you yourself may not be comfortable. You will be bold. You will be given words to say in situations that you did not feel that you were prepared for. You will experience His power in your life. As a, spirit fills, as, a, as a Spirit-filled life is a life on the edge. You will not be bored. You will not be bored. When I hear Christians talk about, like, man, my, my relationship with God, it just kind of feels boring. It just kind of feels like there's nothing happening. I think that's an indication that maybe you are not living filled with the Holy Spirit because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, life is, as a Christian, is not boring. God is constantly bringing you to places that will give you um, new insight into Him and give you new experiences with Him. You will allow God to control you. You see this in the disciples. Remember those early disciples? We already talked about this a little bit before communion. This group of people that were constantly arguing with each other. This group of people that were debating about who was going to be the greatest and putting their foot in their mouth and, and you know, fearful, hiding behind closed doors, you know, so afraid of the, you know, the time when Jesus was arrested. They all ran and they betrayed, some betrayed and some, you know, all the stuff that you see in these disciples that you would look at them and say, this is the group of people. This is who is going to start the church. This is who God calls. And then you see the change that took place after they received the Holy Spirit. Were they perfect? No. 
Did they still make mistakes? Absolutely. But you see in these individuals this filling and what that means. They were bold. They were courageous. They spoke with authority. They were willing to suffer. And they rejoiced when they did suffer. People took note not of how amazing they were. People took note not of the miracles they, took, they did. People took note of the fact that they had been with Jesus. So folks, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is a command. To be fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit, to be fully obedient to the Holy Spirit, is what we have been commanded to do. That we surrender ourselves to Jesus for our salvation, and then we continue to walk in the truth, and that we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. It means that we give up our lives in order to live the life that God has in store for us. The Holy Spirit is the life-giving power that can create, that can sanctify, and that can, can, that can grow every believer to be who God has called them to be. So I say to you today, don't just make this information that you know. Go from here and live this out. Be intentional today and this week and as you live to every single day to submit yourself, to surrender yourself to the control of the Holy Spirit, to be guided by the Holy Spirit and not by self. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And I pray for anyone here today that is maybe has spent years of their walk with you, living as someone who has surrendered themselves to you for salvation, but has not really fully submitted themselves to you for how they live. So I pray today that there would be a transformation in all of us. That we would not be controlled by anything or anyone other than you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us in a way that you would convict us in a way that today we would recognize the need to obey the command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that we would offer ourselves completely to you in obedience. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.